Hello and welcome back to the Vocational Education Podcast. It's great to have you with me. My name's Dan Hill and uh, today we've got a bit of a special one. We've got two interviews today uh, with Eric Frankenheim and Laurie Kelly. The reason we've got these back to back is, well, it'll become apparent when you have a listen. But these guys, uh, it was so interesting talking to them. They've got such a passion towards the brain-based approach to, to learning. Uh, and whilst their focus originally was on pedagogy, uh, they are looking forward to how this applies in the adult learning environment as well. But before I get started, uh, this weekend, uh, recorded this on the 27th of September 2019. The 28th is the Australian Learning Impact Awards. Good luck to all the nominees there and the finalists. There was also some great news from the Northern Territory Training Awards where education professional Rachel Lee Taylor walked away with an award. So congratulations, Rachel, on your award as Training Provider of the Year. Now, if you have any updates about awards going on around the country, I know there are a few uh, VET awards being handed out in the next couple of months. Uh, please, yeah, contact me and let me know if you're in the running and if you'd like to have a chat beforehand or, or after you win <laughs> or after someone you know knows wins. But without any further ado, I'd like to kick off the first of our interviews today with Eric Frankenheim. Hi, I'm here with um, Eric Frankenheim. Eric, tell us a bit about what you do. Well, then I've been a teacher for about 50 years now, mainly in high schools and primary schools. But I've also, for the last 20 years, worked a bit in the corporate world um, with TAFE colleges and various companies, done in-house um, workshops with Laurie Kelly or because of Laurie Kelly. Sometimes we do it together. Laurie is really about learning to learn and how learning sticks, whereas my passion has always been about thinking tools for the various cognitive levels. So I work on Bloom's taxonomy of the, the thinking domain, the cognitive domain. Yes. And um, yes, I've written a book uh, which has sold, as you see, about 35,000 copies. Fantastic. On reflections on classroom thinking strategies. It's now it's in its 11th edition. And what Imagine. it is about is marrying the verb. So for example, if you, want to dis if you ask people to discuss this wonderful conference, it's no good giving them a piece of paper because asking a good question is no guarantee you'll get a good answer. However, <laughs> yes. if I say I want you to discuss this conference by using a SWOT analysis, right, and you mm. might use the think-pair-share, which you obviously like, yeah. and you get people to work in pairs, and then can start coming up, what, what are some of the strengths, what are some of the weaknesses, what are the opportunities, and what are the threats? Because to me, it's incumbent upon us, whoever's standing up the front like you were yesterday, to craft questions or activities in such a way that the recipients are their brilliant best. Mm, mm. Too often we ask a question which is vague, like what do you think about this conference, which is a useless question. Yeah. Because it goes nowhere. They, it's a binary. It's either I liked it or I don't like it. Yeah. And when people respond like that, they feel almost embarrassed. They realize they weren't, they certainly didn't sound smart, but we trapped them. Whereas if I say I want you to discuss this conference by using a SWOT analysis and you give them one SWOT or draw it out of the class, mm -hmm. one strength, I mean, then one weakness, one opportunity, one threat. And then, you know, when you talked about your assessment regime yesterday, yeah. Yeah. and if you'd done that, and then you say, right, in your groups, and you were excellent at that, by the way, you're getting lots of group works, work for three minutes in small groups, come up with four, four or five more strengths and weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and then they give feedback to the back to you yeah now, the whole point is I always say this ownership leads to motivation yeah and when you're dominating like I'm dominating now because I'm doing all the talking all these words are mine not yours yes 
But as soon as you asked us, as you did yesterday, to do something and you were very specific about it, three for the community, three for the client, and so on and so on, we knew what we did, we owned it, we were happy to give it back to you. Mm. And that's what learning is about. So you can't just ask a question, you've got to give a scaffold, be it a SWOT, a decision-making matrix, and so on. Yeah, I like that word scaffold. Um, and it it conjures up a nice image of exactly what you're trying to do. You've got a you've got a framework around it that you're building upon. It's the classic constructivism, isn't it? Well, how about this image? Yes. This is where I, I love it. There's a picture somewhere in Asia, a very busy scene, with a guy in a yellow coat holding holding a ladder, and at the top there's a man working on the electric on the electricity. Yeah. But however, it's different. Because he's not holding it on the floor, he's holding it in his hand. Oh. So the ladder is about six foot higher than the ground. And it is such a wonderful metaphor for great parents, great coaches, great yeah. leaders who make it possible. So that ladder, that scaffold, allow that person at the top to be his brilliant best. Yeah. And the scaffold is the, uh, the ladder is the scaffold that makes it possible. Yeah. And that's what I love about thinking tools. Oh, I love it. I'm just going to read the. We're going to probably promote this at the end because it's such a good, uh, uh, a good book. Uh, Reflections on classroom thinking strategies for all those trainers listening to this. Um, they can probably immediately take hold of the book, look at the um, the frameworks you offer, and uh, and and develop better activities, better things, better ways of running their their programs. Do you agree? Well, absolutely. Because yeah. in five seconds you can create about 20 minutes of work. For example, mm, I mm. want you to discuss this conference by using a SWOT analysis or even better, an extended PCQ, which is another one. Yeah. And as long as you've given the printout, extended pros, cons and questions, oh, nice. the pros, yep. cons and questions, by all the different perspectives and then assess it with what's called the extent barometer, you, the pre presenter or the, the, the trainer, taken about 10 seconds to think of that question yeah. maybe another minute or three to set it up in the class and then you hold back and you let the people work and own it yeah. and you can then walk around so for the presenter you get quality learning engaged learning and it's explicit and it's successful and people come out the other end like yes i did this yeah and the irony is as the trainer you're doing less work that's the beauty because there's nowhere in your contract that says you've got to talk the whole time and, and, and exhaust yourself. In fact, it should be the opposite. Talk less, please. It's a, it's a, there's a great little um, uh, well, shortened version of that, and it's uh, ask, don't tell. You know, If you're training um, or facilitating, yes. in inverted commas, you should ask, not tell. Mm. The more telling you do, the, the, the less people are actually start, uh, taking in. And that, mm. there's that pyramid, I can't remember what it's called now, but basically, if you're just lecturing, uh, at best, they're going to retain 5%, Correct. approximately. Yeah. So. Um, I'm, I'm loving these tools, they're, they're fantastic. Talk us through maybe a couple of other uh, of the tools that you would recommend. Well, one of the tools we did yesterday in my session was around the verb explain. So I, I asked my group to explain the importance of high morale in any organization. Mm. That could be a sporting team, but specifically an RTO. And so if you can visualize uh, a landscape uh, page with in the middle a box which says high morale, to the left of it are four boxes with arrows pointing at called causes. And to the right of it, four boxes with effects. So if you put in the word, I want you to explain to me the importance of high morale. Well, yesterday we started, Steve from the New South Wales Police said structure. Yeah. That's a cause. Good structures 
create high morale. And then I say, well, what is the effect of it? And there's less anxiety or, you know, confidence. Yeah. And then I'll go to try to visualize now another four boxes going vertically to the left of the causes. These are called the sub-causes. Yeah. So what causes the structure? And then the answer could be, well, a determination to have order. Mm. Uh, it could be leadership that says we must have order. And then what is the sub-effect of lack, uh, uh, lack of anxiety? Well, greater profits, less problems with HR and all those sort of things. So I really like that framework. So I've, yeah. I've never heard it because it, normally just the word explain, as you said, leaves people dangling. What, what do you want? What do you what need do you from mean? me? Yeah. But you've right. got now these boxes you can fill out. Yeah. That's Otherwise, you end up like Manuel in Faulty Towers. Can, can, Mr. Faulty, what are you saying? You know? <laughs> exactly. So the other thing that Steve talked about, too, is measurement. And I said, well, surely for assessments, if somebody gave you, a, you know, the, the, um, the cause-effect map, 4, 4, 1, 4, 4, 4, 4 means two lots of causes, and then the other fours, uh, two lots of causes, the, the effects and the sub-effect. Yes. And that is full of stuff yeah. to explain high morale. Surely... Any examiner, any assessor could say, look at all these dot points, that this person's got it. Yeah. Because as a teacher, oh, I want, to use I this. want this kids <laughs> to be, not to be superficial, I want yeah. them to be so deep, so profound. Mm. And you can always see them waving their fists in glee that, yes, they did this themselves, this is their ideas. Yeah. Because, Dan, the word educare, the Latin educare, means draw out. Mm. It doesn't mean to fill in. Yeah. Draw out. So if you set up the structures, and you model it, better even a bit more if you can get the models from your group, they own it, and then you tell them I want X number more, yeah. and they do it, that's great success. Yeah. Like Laurie Kelly yesterday said, we should have about 30% of teaching and 70% of them doing, doing it. Mm, yeah, so the yeah. tennis court metaphor, you said, bring the net closer to the left, yeah. that's your 30%. Yeah, I like that. Learning um, is a verb. Learning is a verb. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just uh, another analogy, I'm going to almost forget it, but pedagogy is to lead a child as well, not not to push I, a child. Sorry? sorry, pedagogy yes. is to lead a child. Yes. That's what that means yeah. as well. It, 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 we, we, I don't know where, somewhere along the line, and I'm not going to say everyone, but so many trainers, in inverted commas, out there, um, uh, simply get up with their PowerPoint, click through it, and talk at the students thinking, well, I'm doing my job. Mm. And uh, and they're not. They're doing the opposite of what mm. pedagogy means. They're doing the opposite of what you're it's suggesting. The it's the, the how. Yeah. So even your simple think, pair, share, yeah. which I'd use in the morning, yeah. immediately involved us. Mm. And it's so respectful because ego gets in the way of good learning. Mm. We think we know it all, or we might know an awful lot, yeah. but we underestimate our learners. Right? You don't have to have any degree to be a very clever person. Yeah. Right? And a young person could be clever. They've experienced 18 years of life or 20 years of life. And that's what we've got to draw out. And as long as we're explicit in the way we do that and invite them to sh show off in the nicest sense. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Yeah, then yeah. you're going to get learning, yeah. but not just teaching. Yeah, well, it's an absolute passion of mine too. And um, what we'll do, uh, I've actually got um, uh, your friend Laurie, is it? I'm going to bring Laurie over, yeah, yes. Yeah, we're going to have a talk to Laurie mm. as well, and we'll, we'll put the two interviews together on a, on a podcast, because I think um, uh, this the framework you've offered, the, the suggestions... It's based on Bloom's taxonomy, yeah. I, mm. I just think it's, uh, it, it's an essential, mm. essential for any professional trainer out there, yeah. um, to, just to use and, and to be aware of. And if they're not aware of it, they should be aware of it. If someone wants to get hold of your book or a hold of you, how would they do it, Eric? Well, um, my company name is Rodin Education because Auguste Rodin was the French sculptor yes. who sculpted the famous The Thinker. Oh, Remember the course, man? The, of course. Yeah. Of course, the he thinker, was a forgetful yeah. thinker because he had no clothes on. If you've yeah. got to get dressed before yeah. he was sculpted. 
And he also was the man who uh, sculpted La Besse, the Kiss, beautiful sculpture. So right. Rodin, I teach thinking skills, and uh, yeah, so... So Rodin Rod is spelled uh, R-O-D-I-N. I was pronouncing yeah. it in the French way, Rodin. Yeah. But it's R-O-D-I-N. Well, if you can think of Frankenstein, you can think of Frankenheim and yeah. <laughs> put it in. You'll, you'll find my website. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Eric, and we well, look forward to catching up with Laurie and soon. And I was thrilled to be in your workshop, too, because you engaged people very, very well. I appreciate I that very much, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> privileged to be here with Laurie Kelly. How are you, Laurie? Very good, thanks, Sam. Very good indeed. Laurie, tell us a bit about what your business does. Okay, my business is called Brain Friendly Training and basically our niche in the market is people who've done their professional development for trainers. People who've done their Cert for in training and assessment but really want good delivery skills. They've got assessment, they've got compliance, they've got validation but they now want to be able to deliver in, in to, to their students in a, what we call a brain friendly way so students get it, they get it quickly and they can transfer their expertise to their students in a really good engaging delivery skills. So how does this uh, benefit people in the vet sector? Oh, well, I, I, very much so, I think, um, because you've got, in, well, t two areas. The trainers in the vet sector are usually industry experts. They know their content, and they know the content really well, but they probably haven't had a lot of um, training in actual delivery skills besides their Cert 4. And Cert 4 is very much focused on, on uh, compliance. And that's fair enough, but that's where it is the reality of it so my area is how to give them delivery skills from the students point of view a lot of students come in from the from the vet sector who've had a mixed school experience okay and sometimes it hasn't been all that positive and so it's giving the, the trainers skills and how to engage those people so the training becomes a really positive experience for them and I believe it can be you can really put the joy back in learning for people so they can really get success and love it again and we can have lifelong learning um, but it's, it's about, about delivery in an engaging way, in a brain-friendly way. What's, one of, what's an example of one of the tools that you, you share with, uh, with the trainers? Okay, one of the tools would be is the, um, at the beginning of the day, I think it's absolutely essential what I call the, the journey or the overview of the day. Um, I'm not talking here about putting a PowerPoint slide up with a page of outcomes and expectations for the day. You know? People can't cop that, you know. Okay, you may have to do that through um, legality or whatever, put that PowerPoint up, but it's being able to transfer that into some sort of particularly visual sort of journey. Um, but what you're doing with that is you're highlighting to the brain what's called a reticular activating system of the brain. You're pointing out to the subconscious, these are the key points that I want you to look at during the train today. But we do that kind of a visual, using symbols and other sorts of colours and other sorts of ways of doing that. But it really is about getting people up front, engaging their brains, setting up that sense of curiosity and setting up that reticular activation system so that it can bring from the unconscious to the conscious. This is what I want you to focus on today. How do you work with uh, Eric? Oh, Eric's um, Eric Frankenheim from Radan Education. Eric's got some brilliant skills in thinking um, and, and, and setting up um, scaffolding for people. Um, I love Eric's work. Eric's, I've seen him work for, well, we've been friends for 30 years, and a lot of his work in the school sector has been, but I'm saying to him, look, this can be done in the corporate area. This is what people need for their meetings. So many people complain about really boring meetings. Here's some, here's some tools. He's got 42 tools there that you can use in your meetings to get really good thinking. And it's all around the verbs. What do you want to get out of the meeting? What do you want people to do with that meeting? Do you want them to analyse? Do you want them to kind of 
develop new ideas. He wanted to um, assess or design stuff. And he's, the, he's got the tools that really engage people. Now, in the vet sector, I've seen you do the same stuff. I've seen him, um, uh, we had one vet teacher say to us, oh, you know, we get the, 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 the people that come in from, to business studies, you know, but they've been, you know, they're kind of the, 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 the rejects from the school and they don't want to be there. And Eric says, okay, give us a topic you want to talk. And he put up one of his frameworks and you just saw the involvement of students, you know. Um, it's the same with, um, and he may have explained here with these um, students, uh, at the, uh, they were doing, um, they were construction students in a high school. They're asked to put together a um, tool, a, a, make a, a, a toolbox for the youths. Okay, great activity. So Eric did a, what he called a um, consequence and equation thing. So he got them all to plan out what the effects are, what they need to do. And the teacher said to them at the end of it, he said, I've been teaching these kids for the last 12 months that it's the most engaged I've ever seen them be. And that's because you give them scaffolding. You give them a process of how to think, not just say, go and think. Do you think oftentimes people uh, expect, like as an assessor for instance, asking a question of somebody, you kind of expect them to see what you see as the assessor. You know, yeah. I'm going to ask you this question, I am asking it in this way, describe such and such, I'm imagining you're going to answer it this way. But that's not how people think. Absolutely not how people think. And it's because we're not clear on what we actually want. And, and be able to say to them, look, this is what I need or this is what I'm expecting. And that's the feedback. And I always say to people at the beginning, you know, you, it's really important that you tell people what you're going to be assessing them on. So they're clear on what's required, clear of the evidence that they've got to pr produce. Okay, so, um, so feedback isn't a shock, but it's a constructive kind of process throughout it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think with, uh, whether it's assessment or, or training, um, that scaffolding, do you actually, I'll, I'll put it another way, when we do assess people, do you think assessment is also a part of the learning process, in which case we can provide guidance in how to answer the questions or, or observations as a part of the assessment? Yeah, well see, look, I'm a person that I, I honestly believe that most people don't want to play drives, okay, but a lot of people want to know what's, what's expected, okay. so. When I was teaching, it, you know, I would give an assignment, but I would say, okay, here's some examples of what the past people have got. Now, they'll, they won't just be the, goody, the, the brilliant examples, they'll be the really bad examples, a whole range. People want to know what's expected, particularly kinesthetic people like myself, because like, I'm a sort of person, you give me a concept, it could be a simple, complicated concept, I'll struggle with what you want till you give me one example of what you As soon as you give me a practical example, I say, gotcha, and I'll make all the clicks. So it's the same with assessment. If you can tell me, you know, this is what people have done in the past, I'll say, oh, okay, now I've got a benchmark that I can go and improve on. I don't want to play, and I don't believe most people want to plagiarise, but they do want to know what's expected of them. And I think it's, you know, the more we can show them that up front, the more we then expand their ability to kind of add to that. I'm finding uh, in the vet sector uh, and the language literacy and numeracy um, skills audit of Australia kind of tells us this, that the literacy levels of learners, adult learners, is lower today than it was 20 years ago, quite some way. In fact, there's, there's a lot of people out there, maybe almost close to 50% of the population who are either just at the right level or below. Um, d does that bode well with the idea of then providing examples and allowing people to, that scaffolding to, to answer questions or to participate in their learning a bit more? Oh, look, I, I think that's 
you know, it, it's it's great. These people we underestimate people's intelligence. You know, um, I think the the reading and writing literacy skills it's more a school problem than it is a a, a learner's problem. Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to get into Napland or kind of <laughs> national cricket. Go on. <laughs> However, you know, I do believe that. Um, well, we we know for a fact that there are a lot of people um, that reading is just that that by the brain is the poorest way of learning. Okay, um, and I would look at kind of things like the flipped classroom and other sorts of models that can really expand people's potential. Mm. I think we underestimate people's learning and their learning ability. And it's, it's the way we teach and the way we deliver. And that's why I'm on about brain-friendly delivery, you know, because what you can do with that, you can really excite people again, but give them success. Understand how they learn. Once they understand how they learn, then they've got the tools to continue learning. But school is not a reflection of people's ability to learn, in my opinion. Agreed. Now, Laurie, um, how can people get access to your resources and, and maybe even in touch with you? Oh, through our, our web page is probably the best, um, lauriekelly.net. There's one, uh, it's our straight webpage, lauriekelly.net, or we have our online videos. Um, either way, you could link through, it's brainfriendlytraining.com.au. Uh, and we have um, 48 different 10-minute uh, video clips. Um, they're, they're lined up uh, over a ear course, or it can be done in one whole, take the whole lot. So I've taken, instead of writing a training book, I've put these into practical videos. So each video has got some practical things that people can use straight away. Fantastic. Well, I hope uh, our listeners do get onto that because uh, as I was speaking with Eric as well, I, this is so underdone, not just in the vet industry, but full stop uh, when we're talking about um, trainers or teachers at the front of the class actually making a difference to those people who are in the class. So let's hope, fingers all crossed, if you're out there listening to this, uh, get onto Laurie's page, uh, have a look at those resources, use them, and you'll have better outcomes for your students. And that's what we really want, isn't it, Laurie? Oh, better outcomes for the students, but better outcomes for yourself as a professional. Yeah, start seeing people succeed. Love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Laurie. What a great couple of guys, hey? I'm glad you got to listen to both Eric and Laurie today. If you have any feedback or questions for either Eric or Laurie, don't forget you've got access to them via the contact information they shared with us on the podcast. Uh, they've also got some great products you might want to have a look at and see how they might apply to your business if you're running a training organization or you're just a a solopreneur hitting the trenches uh, on your own as a trainer or facilitator their products uh, are definitely usable across multiple platforms well i'd like to thank everybody for listening in today and i'll see you next week